hear everyone out tonight. Let's stand all over the building. We'll sing Let's Talk About Jesus. Sorry for the late start. We'll sing Let's Talk About Jesus. We'll do it two times through tonight. It's good to see everyone. <clears throat> Let's talk about Jesus, the King of Kings is He, the Lord of Lords supreme, throughout eternity, the great I am, the way, the truth, the life, the door, let's talk about Jesus more time. Let's talk about Jesus. The King of Kings is He, the Lord of Lords supreme throughout eternity. The great I am, the way, the truth, the life, the door. Let's talk about Jesus more Father, we do thank you, God, for another time to be in your house. Father, we pray for the Awana's Club tonight. Lord, you be with every teacher as they open up the word. Father, may you just continue, Lord, to use them. Father, help them as they uh, teach these young children tonight. Help the kids to be attentive as well. Father, we do thank you, Lord, for Jesus tonight. It's in his name we do pray. Amen. Need some volunteers from the Sparks class. One, two, three. Three guys right here. Three guys right here. Had your hands up first. Sparks tonight. We'll get to Cubbies next time. All right. Okay. <laughs> I hate to disappoint. American flag. Need one more. He's coming. All right, Jake. Christian flag. All right, we'll say our pledges. Starting with American flag. Let's pledge. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Christian flag. Hold your flag up, Jay. There you go. Let's pledge. I pledge allegiance to the Christian flag and to the Savior for whose kingdom it stands. One Savior, crucified, risen, and coming again with life and liberty for all who believe. Good job. All right, hold your Bible up, Liam. We'll pledge to the Bible. Let's pledge. I pledge allegiance to the Bible, God's holy word. I will make it a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path and hide its words in my heart that I might not sin against God. Amen. All right. Thank you, fellas. Appreciate it tonight. Congregation, y'all can be seated. We'll go ahead and let everybody out tonight. Just make one announcement. We had a teen, activity, teen and young adult activity planned for Friday. And I'm not into having a hurricane party, so we're going to uh, cancel that, and we'll we'll get you on to a later date, and I'll let you we'll let you know when that date's coming up. But the activity we had planned for Friday, we're going to cancel. Hate to do that, but I think it'll be the safest thing to do. Amen. All right, Cubbies, y'all head on out. <laughs> well, I wish I had some of their energy. I stand amazed in the presence of 
How much God loves us tonight. Brother James, why don't you pray for us tonight, brother? Amen. Let's remain standing for our fellowship song, page number 66 at Calvary. Let's do that first and last verse before we go into our time of fellowship. Let's, uh, page 66, first and last verse at Calvary. Years I spent in vanity.
fellowship tonight. That's perfectly fine. You get some fellows to come on down tonight. We'll get ready to receive this evening's offering. Appreciate a church that likes to fellowship. Amen. Amen. It means we like each other. <laughs> Brother Biggs, why don't you pray over the offering tonight? Amen. Appreciate that good plan tonight. <clears throat> we'll start our prayer request tonight. I got one I'd like to mention to the church. It was uh, it's just been made known to us here. Uh, pastor sent us a text just as service was starting. Miss Debbie Clark, her and Doug sit back there in the back. She said, uh, she, if we would, please pray for her. She found out today and she's been diagnosed with cancer. And the uh, diagnosis is not looking good for her. So just pray for her, and she also mentioned at the end of it to continue to pray for Donnie Clark as well. So if you would, please lift Miss Debbie Clark up. The family there, I know, is uh, getting bad news today. And as Brother Biggs had mentioned, pray for those that's in the pathway of the storm. And uh, changes from day to day look like we was going to get the worst of it. Now it doesn't look quite so bad, but uh, let's pray for all those that's going to be affected. This is a pretty big storm coming in. I know we've all been glued to the TV and watching these things, but a lot of people going to need a lot of help in the days to come. And uh, hopefully we'll be available to do what we can, as we did last year for Hurricane Harvey. And uh, maybe we can get another trailer of water together if we need to. But right now the stores have none. So I'll tell you what, <laughs> it was almost like a snow forecast. Everybody went out and bought all the water and stuff, and rightfully so. But I don't know why I'm getting this out yet. But let's, uh, let's go into the prayer request. Someone on my right-hand side tonight, Dr. G. Appreciate that tonight. Do and be in prayer for those things. I'll get to you in a second, James, in the sermon. Be in prayer for both. James. Okay. 
Preston. I'm still being prayerful. I know several people had asked me where the preacher was, and he's in Washington State. So, uh, like James said, all the flights back this way has been canceled. So just pray for them. Yeah, I was talking to Renee. She was encouraging me right before the service started. I, I said, uh, hopefully y'all can get back when you want to. She said, we're going to get back. <laughs> they flew out of Charlotte, and their car's in Charlotte. But they're going to have to fly. If they do fly in, they'll have to fly somewhere, drive to Charlotte, get the car, then come home. But uh, just be in prayer for them. Things will work out. Amen. Ms. Thomas. Okay, let's do that. Michelle? Bells on the right tonight. All right, just remember that. Appreciate those. Anybody else on the right? In the middle? Little beaks? Amen, brother. Another started showing some footage <clears throat> on 9/11. They've been showing some footage that hasn't been seen. I don't know if it, if you know people ain't quite as sensitive to it anymore. But I was seeing one of them where you know they were showing where the planes flew back into the buildings again. I can I can still remember that day just like it was yesterday, and it still has an impact on a lot of people. And uh, just continue to pray, pray for healing over that, and let's let's pray that never happens here again. Amen. See another hand, brother Keith. Amen. Ms. Elbert? Amen. Okay. I'm Kayla. Is he healing up well? Good. Good. Ms. Betty? Appreciate that tonight. You know, that's a ministry in itself, nursing home care. It really is. You really need to have a heart to be in that line of work. You need to have a heart for those people. I've, I've seen both sides of it with grandparents and stuff being in the nursing homes. and You can tell the ones that really have a heart for the people, and you can tell the ones that it's just a paycheck to them. So uh, just pray, pray for those people. Because that's, you know, that's somebody's grandma and grandpa and mom and daddy and all that stuff. And so just, just pray that. People have a heart to work for those people. John, I see your hand. Appreciate those reminders tonight.
Someone else in the middle nine? Chester? Amen, brother. Okay. Anybody else in the middle? Did I miss anyone? Somebody on the left tonight? Granny? Amen. Someone else on the left tonight. Woody? Okay. Remember those requests? Go ahead, Sister Roy. All right, we'll do that. Someone else? A lot of hands. Brother Roy? Amen. Lisa? Okay. We'll do it. Send another hand. Rufus? All right. Remember those? Someone else tonight? I miss anybody? No one? Brother Bob, you mind praying over these tonight? Yes, Yes, God. Father, help him. Yes, Lord. Yes. God, help him. Yes, Father. turn into John chapter 3 tonight. John chapter 3. You know, remember 9-11, <clears throat> I was listening to someone made the statement, or I read someone who made the statement that the day after 9-11, stores were selling out of flags, American flags. People couldn't wave them enough. We went from a flag-waving country to a country now that does not even want to honor the flag. Not everybody, but the majority of people gets put on the, on the news and stuff. Don't want to honor the flag. They want to protest the flag. And I pray that that doesn't have to happen again just for us to get patriotic toward our country. John chapter number 3 tonight. Thank you for being here.
I appreciate your faithfulness to the house of the Lord. I'm going to switch over to my wireless, brother. John chapter number 3. This is one of my favorite passages of Scripture that I love. <clears throat> I was just thinking on this, and we'll take a look at it, do a little bit of Bible study, and then we'll go to the house and eat us a bowl of cereal. <laughs> Amen. I didn't eat much for supper. Cereal is sounding good. Uh, John chapter 3. We'll just begin in verse number 1. So there was, a, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, the ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water, and of the Spirit he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, You must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof. But canst not tell whence it cometh, and <clears throat> whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Heavenly Father, help us now as we look into your word. Father, use me as your mouthpiece tonight. God, touch our hearts, Lord. I do pray for the Clark family tonight, Lord, the news they receive. Father, I pray, Lord, you comfort them. Give them some assurance, Lord. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Being born again, that phrase. John 3, 3 is probably my life verse, if you would. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Being born again tonight is what I wanted to look at. You know, it's a scientific fact that everyone in here tonight has been born. We have all been born. That's why we're here on this earth. It's a scientific fact. But the question is, have you been born again? Now, I know I'm preaching to the choir tonight, but I'd like to just uh, kind of review over this one more time. When we were born into this world, we all, we all was born into this world with some real issues. We didn't know how to behave. We didn't know how to act. All we knew how to do was cry and make a mess. Cry and make a mess. But we couldn't walk, we couldn't talk, we couldn't eat, we couldn't sustain ourselves in any way, form, or fashion. When you think about it, it even got worse before it got better as we was kind of growing up and growing out of that baby stage. As we grew, we made a lot of messes. I mean, you know how it is raising uh, little kids, and I know Josh, he can testify to the fact having a little one. Can't nobody make a mess like a little child. I know our children was good at it as well, and I'm not going to tell any stories on Nick tonight, but he was good at making some messes. He was really good at it. You know, sometimes they make a mess and you start undressing. You're like, how in the world did that end up there? <laughs> but anyway, it's, a, it's an amazing thing. It's a wonderful thing to raise children. You know, you learn some things. But, you know, <clears throat> as, as we was growing, you know, we, have, we tried to destroy ourselves in some creative ways. We hurt ourselves. We broke things. We ate things that we shouldn't have eaten. We fought with our siblings. We've done a lot of things and made a lot of messes as we was uh, growing up. When we were born into this world, we were 100% human beings, no doubt about it. But the simple fact is, we, we had no grasp on life-giving or life-sustaining human behavior when we were born into this world. We were humans, but not mature humans. We, have not, we hadn't grown yet. Our parents, our parents may have had higher expectations for us, but they received immature human beings. No child is born as he comes out and he begins to walk right away. That would be kind of scary. I'm out of here, see you. <laughs> But it doesn't happen that way. In other words, parenting is going to be long, messy, sleepless, costly. It's hard work. But on the flip side, parenting is a delightful, loving, wonderful relationship that massively overshadows all of the potential negatives. You know, as we're raising our kids and as they're doing some great things and we delight in the fact as how they are growing up, you know, that kind of overshadows all the messes that they made. All the things you had to clean up, all the nasty diapers we had to get rid of, the many nights that we set up with them wondering if that fever was ever going to break, all the time they was, I don't mean to gross nobody out, but all the times they were sick and you know, puking their guts out and you're sitting there with them putting cold compresses on them and sitting with them in the bathroom or whatever else it may be. I mean, all those things, you forget about those things because you enjoy all the good things that a child brings. Tonight I want us to see some individualism and behavior points here in John chapter number 3. Look at verse number 7. He tells Nicodemus, he says, Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. If you would, before we, get in, before we dig into that, I want you to understand verse number 5. It says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water 
Now these water dogs out here that believe that you need to be saved by water baptism, they like to run to this verse sometimes, but he's not talking about water baptism right here. Being born of water is the first time you're born into this world. Right before we come into this world, what happens to the mother? Anybody? Water breaks. We're born of the water. The water breaks. You're born of water. You come into this world. The second time, he says, you must be born of water and of spirit. Second time is when we're born of the spirit. The Holy Ghost has come into our lives. When we receive Christ as Savior, being born of water is the first time we've come into this world. He says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. We're 100% human beings. We understand that tonight. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. I ask you tonight, have you been born again? Are you a child of God? Verse number 7, he says, Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse number 23, Peter writes to his new believers that they were born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. And this is great news. Well, what does it all mean? We'll take a look at that for just a moment. You know, in our own individualism and our own behavior, we tend to associate our identity or our individuality with our behavior. You agree with me tonight on that? We tend to associate our identity, our individuality with our behavior. We define ourselves by what we do. You know, they say, oh, that's a preacher. You know, Pastor Greg Hodges, you know, he's a pastor. He's a preacher. He's uh, vice president over at the college. We, we, uh, we tend to associate people with what they do. Brother Gerald Cassidy, he's a mechanic. I mean, it just, that's how we associate with human beings. You understand what I'm saying? You say Michael Jordan, he's a great basketball player. I mean, we associate people. Donald Trump, he's our president and the CEO of a lot of corporations. I mean, you think about those things. That's how we associate. That's how we, uh, that's how we recognize people. Most of the time, one of the first questions we ask to a, somebody that we just meet is, what do you do? You know, my name is John. Well, what do you do, John? I'm a carpenter. All right, that's John the carpenter. That's how you remember him. So that's how we associate we define ourselves by our pursuits, our accomplishments, our abilities, our vocations. And this is normal of American individualism. Then we enter into Christianity. And when we enter into Christianity by receiving Christ as our Savior, we are tempted to define ourselves by what we do. Why would we do that? Because that's how we've been trained in our life. We've been trained on individualism, on our behavior. We identify ourselves by what we do. So as a Christian, we, we, as we start out, we try to define ourselves by what we do. This puts us on the ladder of works to begin to climb toward God, and this puts us in the wrong mindset. We can't think that way. Rather than walking with Jesus, what happens when you're in that mindset? You begin performing for Jesus. We begin to identify ourselves by what we do, trying to get more acceptance from Jesus. We'll understand that here a little bit more in just a few moments. Rather than walking with Jesus, we're trying to perform for Jesus. We're to, we are tempted to define our Christianity by our behavior rather than by our birth. Remember, he says, you must be born again. You must be born again. We get to thinking that our acceptance is based on our accomplishments. Anything we can do, that's not going to make Jesus love us anymore. He gave us all the love that he ever had for us when he died on Calvary's cross. In Bible times, a person's identity was more of a function of the family heritage than it is today. When we read in the Bible a name of someone, it will often be followed by the son of. You know, this is John, the son of, if you want to say Mark or whatever, and I'm just making these things up. But this is vital. God defines you by your birth, not your behavior. You belong to him because of your belief. Our Christian lives become so unfulfilling when we base our identity on our behavior because we'll begin to make statements like, well, I am a good Christian because I... has nothing to do with us. has everything to do with Jesus. Or I'm not a good Christian because I... has nothing to do with us, has everything to do with Jesus. No matter what we do, we are 100% accepted the moment you get saved. You can't... I mean, you just can't generate any more love from God by what we're doing. No accomplishments is going to wow him. This always becomes a game. There's always something good for which I can put myself on, which I can pat myself on the back for. And then there's always something that I can beat myself up for. I'm a good Christian because I, or I'm a not a good Christian because I. When we get to self-evaluating ourselves, always understand self-evaluation is always inaccurate. Inaccurate when we self-evaluate ourselves. This generation that 
that has been, has been raised up has become the selfie generation. It's all about self. Everything's about self. We're snapping pictures everywhere we go. I mean, it's just a society that we've become with our phones and things. We're in the selfie generation. Everything points towards self. And when you're doing those selfies, oftentimes we make ourselves into something that we are not. We'll, buy, we'll get these little filters on our phones and we'll make ourselves look better than what we actually look. We'll make ourselves into something that we're not. In real Christianity, identity is determined solely by birth. By birth. Jesus accepts you because you were born in Him, not because you behaved for Him. You understand that? If it was based on how we behave, then when we get to heaven, we can walk in and say, Jesus loves me more because I did more than you did. No, 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 no. Everything's level at the cross. Everybody gets saved the same way. There's nobody greater than anybody else in heaven. I don't care if you've led one soul to Christ or a million souls to Christ. Everybody, is, it's level. Jesus accepts you because you're born in Him. Not because we behave for Him. We are His children. Turn with me to the book of 1 Corinthians. You can keep your place here in John chapter 3. 1 Corinthians in chapter number 6. Paul's writing to the church of Corinth here and he's trying to reassure them on some things. He's trying to teach them some things. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We'll pick up in verse number 19. Now he just got done dealing with the sanctity of the body and, of, and marriage and because the body is the Lord's and those type of things and now he moves into where the body is the temple. He says, what? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you? which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We are His children. As he goes into chapter 7, verse number 23, he says, You are bought with a price. Be not ye the servants of men. We've been bought with a price. We belong to God. He purchased us. We're His children. Now in saying all that, we must understand that we are His children, but He does not accept any old type of behavior from us. What I want you to understand tonight is that our, my behavior does not determine God's love for me. It's an unconditional love. It's not based on any condition. It's unconditional. Well, I thank God for that. We're newborn in Jesus. When God explains your new relationship, He uses the metaphor of a new baby being born to loving parents. A newborn, understand tonight, a newborn is accepted into the family by birth. I mean, when that newborn comes in, boy, we go and we go and, and we make all kind of noises and, and we want to hold that baby and we want to carry that baby. And for, us, for your grandparents out there, the greatest thing about it is when they make a mess, you just pass it back up. I don't know, something about them grandmas, though. They make a mess. Oh, let me have that, baby. I'll go clean it up. <laughs> Good to have them grandparents around. Especially when the messes are made. You can just pass it on off. Here you go, Granny. <laughs> you got it. But think about the child when it was born into this world as a newborn baby. They did nothing to deserve love, but when it came out of that mother's womb, boy, we just loved it from the beginning. We never even seen it before. But as soon as it come out, oh, that's the prettiest baby. I just love this baby so much. You don't even know that baby yet. They did nothing to earn that love. They did nothing to keep that love. They got it freely and unconditionally for the rest of their lives simply because they were born into the family. So if we can do that humanly, how much more can God love us because we was born into the family of God? Is God interested in our behavior? Of course He is, but it does not determine His love for us. Our relationship with God is no way based on our behavior, it's based upon His birth. Think about it like this, though our child or our children may, mis may uh, misbehave, they, though they may hurt our feelings, though we may you know, get a little discouraged sometimes by how they act or how they handle themselves, guess what? We still love them. No matter what they may face, what they may get into, no matter if they turn their back on God, still deep down inside of your heart, you love that child. Nobody loves a child more than that mother who brought that child into this world. We must remember that sometimes when we're dealing with people. You understand that? Because that is somebody's child. That's somebody's child. 
That's somebody's precious little baby. You say, oh, they're strung out on something. They're hooked on something. They don't deserve nothing. They deserve some love. As the pastor revealed to us or said the other day, except for the grace of God, there go I. So the, the baby is accepted unconditionally just because it was born into the family. We're 100% a new creature by being born again. New babies are wonderful. As we've already mentioned, they goo when they God, and we goo when God over them. But babies can be gross. We understand that tonight. Babies can be gross. Some things will come out of them that will just blow your mind from both ends. Just, I mean, they can be smiling at you one second, and the next minute you're covered in some stuff. You're like, wow, ain't this great? It's just amazing. But babies can be gross, and with all that cuteness, with a little child comes a little dark side. They can be wonderful one day. They can be mean as a little snake the next day. Everything can be PG King one day, and they're cutting teeth the next day and mad at the world. As humans, they require a lot of learning, a lot of growing and struggling. So when we are born in Christ, we were made a new creature. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Salvation is monumental. It's a complete spiritual rebuild. This isn't a fresh paint job. It's a complete rebuild. Starting from the inside out. It literally means that God crucified your sin nature. That old man, the core of your spiritual being, and created within you a new nature. Go to the book of Romans with me. Just back a few pages. Romans chapter 6. Verse number 6. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. When we trusted Christ as Savior, God didn't, move in, God didn't move in next to your sinful nature. No, when Christ moved into your heart, He booted everything out. Christ is too big for anybody to live next to Him. I promise you one thing tonight. If I moved into your house tonight, you would know I was there by tomorrow. Your cereal would be gone. I'd be eating all your snacks. I'd drink all your Coca-Cola and be asking the next day where everything is at. I need some more. Hey, when Christ comes into your body in the form of the Holy Ghost, He boots it all out. Nobody else can live in there with Him. He takes up residence. We're new creatures in Christ. He takes residence up in your heart. He crucified your sinful nature on the cross and recreated you as a new creature spiritually. Thank God He crucified that old sinful nature. But at birth as a baby, we were 100% human beings. We weren't becoming human. We were all human, but very immature and needing growth. And so it is at salvation. You are not becoming a new creature. You were 100% a new creature at salvation. 100%. Now, there's a lot of growing that's got to be done. There's a lot of maturing that's got to be done. There's a lot of learning that's got to be done. There's a lot of struggling that's got to take place. We get it all mixed up sometimes. We think somebody gets saved, they're a new creature, just zap, everything's supposed to be new tomorrow. That means zap, you stop cussing right away, you stop drinking right away, you get rid of that old sinful habit right away, and it never comes back. That's a lie. There's a battle that you've got to face for the rest of your life. And old sinful habits, they rear their heads up every once in a while and they'll come back. If we're not careful, we got, they was crucified, they was buried in the blood of the Lamb, and they should stay there. But we have a habit of pulling them back out every once in a while. That old sinful nature. We're not mature Christians at the moment of salvation. We were not a mature human being at the moment of birth. You're not a mature Christian at the moment of salvation. That's where it comes in for us who's been saved for a while to have patience with those who have just become new babes in Christ that... I mean, they're not, I mean, they're not 20 years into the salvation thing. I mean, they just, they're not there yet. We've got to be careful. We've got to be patient. A lot of times we hurt them by saying some little snappy things at them. You can't expect somebody who's, been re, who's had just been born six months to act like somebody who's been born for 25 years. And in return, we can't expect some, we shouldn't be expecting somebody who's been born for 25 years to act like somebody who's been born for six months. <laughs> It kind of reverses there. So as a new creature, 
even though it will take us the rest of our life to mature and unlearn everything our old sinful nature has taught us, we have to be patient. After salvation, your new nature is godly, inhabited by God's Holy Spirit, but your flesh and mind are well-trained and behaving like a sinner. This flesh loves this world. This flesh is not saved. Therein lies the battle. The sinful nature, the flesh versus the spiritual. Best way I can describe it as a young kid watching Tom and Jerry. When old Jerry wanted to misbehave a little bit, he had the devil on one shoulder, he had a little angel on the other. That's the thing that always flashes back to my mind. It was a constant battle. One of them say, do the bad thing, the other one say, do the good thing. We're inhabited by God's Holy Spirit, but our flesh and our mind are well trained and behaving like a sinner. The fact, the fact that you can still sin doesn't mean you don't have a new nature. It simply means that you are not behaving consistently with who you really are. You haven't matured yet. We're also 100% accepted. Go to Ephesians in chapter number 1. Ephesians chapter number 1, verse number 6. It says, to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace. According to the riches of His grace. There are two, con- there are two contexts of the word accepted here in verse number 6. The first is the relationship of Jesus and our belonging to Him. In, verse, in chapters 1, verse number 6, but our, our labor, our faith and action being acceptable to him, we find in 2 Corinthians in chapter number 5 when we're dealing with this word of acceptance or, or accepted. Remember again in, in uh, chapter number 1, verse number 6 in Ephesians, I'll read it to you one more time before we go to 2 Corinthians. Yeah, 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. It says again, To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Let's go to 2 Corinthians in chapter 5. Verse number 9 says, Wherefore we labor that whether present or absence we may be accepted of him. It's two, two different terms, two different contexts here. First is the relationship of Jesus and our belonging to him. Second is our labor, our faith in action, being acceptable to him. This verse is referring to, referring to pure-hearted, faith-filled service which is well-pleasing and meaningful to Jesus. How do we reveal to a lost and dying world that we are accepted in Christ, that we're a new, new creature, that we are children of God by the way we behave, by how we, condu- how we conduct ourselves, what we do for Christ? That's how the world can see Christ in us. If we believe God is an on and off type of, type of God, then we view Him as a sheriff and not as a Savior. But God doesn't work as a cop-criminal kind of relationship. All of our work, all the work that He had done on the cross paved a way for His grace to extend to us a father-child relationship. It's plain and simple. We just need to accept that we have been accepted. We need to accept that we have been accepted. 100% accepted. Just like that new baby, when it comes into this world, it's 100% accepted into the family. When the baby don't pop out and you say, all right, here you go, I don't want this one. Can I have another? It doesn't happen that way. No, when we have been born, we're born into this world, 100% accepted into the family. When we're born of God, we've been born into the family of God, 100% accepted unconditionally. Yeah, but what about my faults and failures, you may say? What about what I done yesterday? What about what I'm struggling with today? We all have some growing to do, and God isn't surprised by our sin nature. Not surprising. In fact, He became sin for us. Look at it this way. He became your sin to save you from it. He became sin for us when He was hanging on the cross of Calvary. We are God's newborn child and He fully loves us even with all of our sin. You know the thing about babies and children, they don't never really stop making messes. They just look different over time. We could even argue that our adult messes are even messier than the baby messes. They change over time. I know I said this a lot tonight, but I really want to get the point across. You're not accepted by God on the basis of our behavior. Ever in any sense, form, or fashion, you're accepted only only on the basis of Jesus and His grace. You're accepted because you belong to Him by birth and by that birth alone. 
We're also 100% secure in Him tonight. Go back to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter number 1, verse number 13. 100% secure. As he carries on here in chapter number 1, verse number 13, he says, In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. We were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. We're 100% secure. At that moment of salvation, they put a big old seal across us. We've been sealed with the blood of the Lamb, never to be removed, born again, a new birth, a new child. Nothing can cause you to lose your new nature. It's permanent. Salvation is birth. I understand with me tonight. I know we all understand this, but birth is irreversible. You can't say put the thing back in there. It doesn't work that way. Birth is irreversible. You cannot lose your acceptance with God. Think of it genetically. Your physical identity is connected to your parents by a genetic code. Every cell of your body contains the genetic architecture of your physical being that connects you to every member of your bloodline. That's unchangeable. It's unchangeable. And it's verifiable. No matter what you do to disassociate yourself from your family, you can never rewrite your permanent genetic code. You will always be a member of that family. When we are accepted, accepted Christ as our Savior, our spiritual genetic code was rewritten. Go to the book of Titus in chapter number 3. Titus chapter 3, verse number 5. I'm moving along kind of fast here. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. That word regeneration is like saying we were regened. Our, our spiritual genetic code was rewritten. We are now Christ. We belong to Him. We're a child of God. Nothing can remove the seal of God's Spirit. We've been sealed with the Holy Spirit of God and nothing can remove it. We have, 100, we have a 100% new potential also. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 2 reminds us, this, As newborn babes desire the sincere, milk, the sincere milk of the Word that ye may grow thereby. We have an unbelievable potential for growth as new babes in Christ. We're partakers of the divine nature to grow into the image of Jesus Christ. It's a journey we will be on for the rest of our lives until God calls us home. Progress will be slow and painful at times, but that very real potential is already in us. Hey, progress for our own children sometimes is slow and painful at times, but we see the potential that lies ahead. All the messes we make is the very reason why we need His grace. We will never be as mature as we want to be. That's just the nature of the growth process. There will always be room for improvement when it comes to our lives. None of us will ever arrive until we arrive in heaven. I don't care how smart we think we are. I don't care how many, what we've, how many classes we've been in, how much schooling we've had. There's always room for growth. Why? Because we have this flesh on our bodies that desires to do Wrong things. It's just there. If we're not careful, we'll focus so much on how far we have to go that we'll forget to simply just enjoy Jesus today. We get so caught up in things that we forget to enjoy Jesus and exactly what we have. At times, I feel like we need to be like David when he said, Lord, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. When he, written, when he had written Psalm 51, we know everything he had went through. This is a repentance psalm, but he, he made sure to put in there, Lord, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. He, didn't, he hadn't lost salvation, he just lost the joy of it. We get so caught up in our society and the things of this world that oftentimes it'll cover up the joy that we have in Jesus. God's children should be some of the happiest people on the face of this earth. Whether good times or bad times, we should still know that we're accepted in Him. No matter what may come, I know I'm going to heaven. Not because of anything that I have done, but it's because of everything He has done. This journey that we're on here on this world, it's a faith thing. 
Jesus is at work and growing you and His grace, brings, bringing us to a point of confidence that we must optimistically wait in faith for His work to continue, even when we really want Him to hurry up sometimes. Philippians chapter 1, verse number 6 reminds us, being confident in this very thing, that He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He's still constantly working on us every single day. Working on us. Working on us. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. Hey, it took him just a week to make the moon and the stars. I didn't know you could preach this song. But it's going to take the rest of my life for him to work on me. It was easier making this world than it was for him to work on us. It's a whole lot longer process. He made this earth in six days. He's been working on me for 42 years. <laughs> James chapter 1, verse number 4, but let patience have her perfect work. Boy, that's a scary word to mention there, patience. Let patience have her perfect work that, we may, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Aren't you glad God loves us tonight and is based unconditionally? I'm reminded of an old song that I used to sing with Pastor Shelley a few times. He's the one who taught it to me. It's a song called, Now I Belong to Jesus. It's an old hymn. I don't know if you know it. <clears throat> the first verse says, I don't know if I'll sing the whole thing, but I might just sing this one verse. It says, Jesus, my Lord, will love me forever. From him no power of evil can sever. He gave his life to ransom my soul. Now I belong to him. Now I belong to Jesus. Jesus belongs to me. Not for the years of time alone, but for eternity. That's yeah, a beautiful song. Beautiful song. I won't sing the second line, but I'll tell it to you. It says, Once I was lost in sin's degradation, Jesus came down to bring me salvation, lifted me up from sorrow and shame. Now I belong to him. Verse 3 says, Joy floods my soul, for Jesus has saved me, freed me from sin that long had enslaved me. His precious blood he came, he gave to redeem. Says, Now I belong to him. Now I belong to Jesus. Jesus belongs to me, not for the years of time alone, but for eternity. And in that alone, we ought to be able to praise the Lord for it. He loves us unconditionally. His love for us is not based on our behavior, but his love for us is based on that birth. We've been born of God, born into the Spirit. We're a child of God. Praise God for it. Let's all stand tonight. Thank you for listening to me. Appreciate your faithfulness to the house of the Lord. When you think about it this week, let's remember the Clark, Miss Debbie Clark. Pray for that family. Also, <clears throat> Donnie Clark as well. And, uh, do continue to mention the pastor and his wife in prayer as they travel, as they try to travel back home. And just pray that God will work something out. He can do, he can make ways out of no ways. I know that for sure. So just pray he works things out. Let's pray as this storm approaches that uh, God will just have some mercy. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we do thank you, Lord, tonight just for an opportunity to look into your Bible. Father, we do thank you, Lord, that we have been born again. Father, we thank you for the blood of the Lamb. And Father, we thank you, Lord, that we have been sealed with the Holy Spirit. And Father, that can never be removed. Father, we're looking forward to the day, Lord, when our work is complete and we get to go home to heaven. But Father, while we're here, Lord, may we be patient. And, Father, may we trust in the process, Lord, of you growing us. Father, still teaching us, and we're still learning. Father, help us to realize we're just a work in process. May we ought to carry a construction sign around with us. This is work in progress. Father, I love you tonight. Father, thank you, Lord, for loving us. And, Father, I pray, Lord, and thank you, God, for the Awana teachers that we have. Lord, may you bless them for their efforts tonight. And, Father, thank you for the kids you brought by our way. And, Lord, we do lift the Lord, Miss Debbie Clark, to you. Father, I pray, Lord, you touch her. Father, I know that you, that news did not take you by surprise today. She's your child. Father, I pray, Lord, you just comfort her, give her some reassurance, Lord. And Father, help, just, Lord, help her to realize that you are the great physician. God, I pray, Lord, for our church. Father, pray for our pastor and his wife. Father, you know where they're at tonight. Father, want to get back home on Friday. Lord, I pray, God, you'd work a way out for them to get home. Father, we do love you tonight. Father, looking forward to what you're going to do for us on Sunday. Father, we pray for the protection of all the saints of God, Lord, during the storm. Father, I know you're in control of these things. And Lord, may you have mercy upon us, God. And Father, we just want to say we love you again tonight because you first loved us. It's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen.